champions. I am back with another episode of the Back to Folk podcast. It's a Red Sox podcast, and anyone out there, you know this is not a happy podcast by any means. It's been a tough couple days. It was a really odd buildup to Xander Bogarts leaving the Boston Red Sox. Because, I mean, you really think about it and, and how it went down. Sox signed Masataka Yoshida. Seems like, all right. I mean, in the matter of 12 hours, they filled two holes. They got another outfielder. They got a closer in Kenley Jansen. And you thought, things are starting to really shape up. And we've got some momentum here. And High and Bloom finally started to spend. I mean, you should really put that on ownership, but we'll get to that a little bit later. And then the tweets started flooding in. Xander Bogarts and the Red Sox are having productive discussions. They're in heavy discussions. One Red Sox executive, when asked if they will re-sign Xander Bogarts, said, quote, without hesitation, yes. So I went to bed that night, and I went to bed feeling good. I'm a big sleep guy. I don't stay up late. So I was asleep when this came out. And I woke up the next morning and all of a sudden Xander Bogarts was a San Diego Padre. 11 years, $280 million. It's an unbelievable contract. I'm happy for him. I think it was an absolute no-brainer for him to take it. And it's not necessarily the contract that I would have wanted to see the Red Sox sign Xander Bogarts to. I mean, it's it's pretty ludicrous to know age 38, 39, 40, 41. I mean, he's going to be making over 20, I think over $25 million. That's an incredible deal. The financial security there for Xander Bogarts is unbelievable. Nobody can blame him for taking the deal. And while you'd like to think, you'd like to sit there and think, well, you can't blame the Red Sox for not signing him to 11 years, 280. I mean, that's crazy. And that would be true if it didn't play out the way in which it did to get to this point. The way the Boston Red Sox ownership handled this was laughable. I mean, there's no way around the fact that they absolutely botched this. And now... Nothing makes sense. The direction, everything in the past, nothing makes sense right now knowing that Xander Bogarts walked in free agency. But like I was just saying there, you'd like to tell yourself, well, I'm glad they didn't sign him to that contract. That That's just crazy. But it's not about the contract itself. It's truly not. What it's about is the fact that last offseason, the Red Sox had a chance to talk to Xander Bogarts, and he could only talk to them. Xander Bogarts was exclusively talking to the Boston Red Sox about an extension. And the Red Sox did not take it seriously. They were more than okay with letting it bleed into the season. They were more than okay with coming back to the drawing board this particular offseason when Every team could talk to Xander Bogarts. He was not only permitted to discuss a contract with them, he hit free agency. 
Anybody can come in, and anybody can scoop him up. And that's exactly what happened. He wasn't the Padres' first choice. They were trying to throw money around. They were in the Trey Turner sweepstakes. They were in the Aaron Judge sweepstakes. And they ended up settling on, I don't. I hate to phrase it like that, but that is the reality of the situation. They end up settling on, on Xander Bogarts. And they threw a crazy amount of money. They threw a crazy amount of years at him. But the way in which the Red Sox allowed this to get to the point it got to is inexcusable. And the problem with, with, with all of this that I struggle with is, what is the philosophy here? What is the direction of this organization? What is the ultimate end goal? When they moved off, uh, when they moved off Mookie Betts, everybody thought, okay, this is going to be a situation in which this is painful. Nobody wants to move off of this guy, but the amount of money he is asking for, the amount of years he is asking for at the time seemed astronomical. It seemed crazy. And he deserved it at that time. He had played his way into a contract of that magnitude. I'm not saying Mookie didn't deserve what he got, but I am saying you sold it in your head as a fan, and it seemed as though the organization sold it this way as well, that they were going to let Mookie Betts walk so they could get this organization in a better financial situation so that when this problem arised again, they could pay their star and not have to worry about the ramifications that it would bring down the road. It seems like they let go of Mookie so that they would eventually have the money be in the financial position to re-sign Xander Bogarts, to re-sign Rafael Devers. They did not do that. And if anything, the way in which they went about this Xander Bogart situation makes it seem like they didn't really want him that badly all along. I mean, to have a chance to talk with this guy who has won two rings with your organization, who has showed up and been a professional day in and day out, no matter where the organization was at, no matter if they were last in their division, the worst record in baseball, or if they were chasing a World Series. Xander Bogart showed up every single day as a professional, and he led this baseball team. He never once put you in a position where you had to defend him or he was distracting the team. That was never the situation. He's done everything right, and he's won in this city. He has proven success in the city of Boston. And the Red Sox went to him in an offseason when they could exclusively talk to him, and they offered him a laughable contract that he rightfully declined and was a bit appalled by. I'm not saying that that Xander has done anything wrong in this situation because the Red Sox put him in this situation. They gave him that laughable offer in which... He had to say, all right, I guess we're going to do this and we're going to take this into the season. That's when the writing was on the wall. Nobody wanted to accept it. I didn't want to accept it. That right there is when the writing was on the wall for Xander Bogarts and the Boston Red Sox was after last offseason when they didn't even come to him with a serious offer. That's when the writing was on the wall. Because listen, then you get to this offseason and they're willing to go spend on Masataka Yoshida. And, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to hate on the player because we'll get to him in a little bit, but 
I, I like the Yoshida signing. I don't like the Yoshida signing when you don't end up signing Xander Bogarts. I think it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it, the optics of it are just, it's a head scratcher. But back to Xander Bogarts. You get to this offseason, and then that's when you decide that you are going to give him the 6 for 160. That's what Alex Spear is reporting, is that the Boston Red Sox offered Xander Bogart six years, $160 million. It's not a terrible contract. It's not a blow-you-away contract by any means. But it's not a terrible contract. It's a competitive offer. But don't you think it's a little fishy that that offer came when the San Diego Padres were also in heavy discussions and were a team that the Red Sox as an organization, I mean, if you know anything, you know that the Padres were willing to spend this offseason. They have been a team that has made it clear they were trying to make a big splash. So the Red Sox then come with that 6-for-160. But if you're looking at what San Diego's offered Trey Turner, what they offered Aaron Judge, 6 for 160 is not going to compete with them. And then obviously San Diego sweeps Xander off his feet. He ends up finally getting a deal done with them. And he's a San Diego Padre. So the way in which this entire thing went down, i got to be honest, it feels like the, the Boston Red Sox never even wanted to retain Xander Bogarts. They wanted to give that idea off to the fan base but they did not back that up in any way, shape, or form with their actions. It's, it's tough for me to understand what is going on here and what the plan is, wh- where this is going. What, what kind of club are you trying to build? Now I get it. Maybe this money can be reallocated and And it can be spent in some creative and versatile ways. Maybe we get a trade here and the Sox come out and they're competitive again. But, man, when you think about the way in which the Xander Bogart situation unfolded, you start to think, do they ever pay anyone? And I understand he's 30 years old. I get that. And I get there's been some decline in the power, but there's no doubt in anyone's mind the Red Sox without Xander Bogarts are not the same baseball team. The Red Sox without Xander Bogarts, right now when you look at the lineup and you look at the situation with the rotation, not that Xander Bogarts has any impact on the rotation, but either way, just everything considered, Xander Bogarts out of this lineup, I mean, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't look like a World Series contender. Crazier things have happened. The Red Sox have surprised us before. I'm not trying to come on here and say the Red Sox are doomed forever. It's over. Oh, it, that's it's not who I am. It's Listen, I'm not one of those people that, oh, you're going to lose the fan base. Now, man, Rafi Devers doesn't get re-signed. Whew. Man, I don't know where you go from there. But either way, I'm, I'm just, I'm incapable of detaching. I'm incapable of, of that. That's, it's not who I am. I'm, I got to stick by the, this squad. I mean, they traded Mookie Betts. I stuck by. They let Xander Bogarts walk and I'm sticking by. But you start to wonder, what do you have to do in this organization to get a big contract? They haven't handed out over $200 million after David Price. They haven't. It, it, that contract has never come yet. Mookie Betts came around. He wanted astronomical money. They ended up eventually upping their offer. But again, it seemed as though they upped their offer when they knew there was already a better one out there. Xander Bogarts, 
they never made a real effort to keep him in a Red Sox uniform from the way I view it. It seems like they put the public persona out there that they wanted him back, but behind closed doors, we're not backing that up in any way, shape, or form. I don't know why the Red Sox didn't want to give Xander an eight-year, a little over $200 million contract. I don't know. I think that that would have made a lot of sense. Yes, he's going to his age 38 season. Yes, they have Marcelo Meyer, but things could have been worked out down the road. Now you lose your leader. You lose the franchise guy. As much as Rafael Devers is the best player on this team, it's tough to not say Xander Bogarts was the franchise player. That's the position in which he held. He was the go-to guy in terms of leadership and in terms of representing the Boston Red Sox. I just, he's got two rings. Like I said, professionalism was through the roof. I don't understand who they pay. I don't know if it's an age thing, which I also think would be a little ridiculous because Mookie, it's not like he was old by any means. They let him walk in his prime. Xander Bogarts, yes, 30 years old. I mean, that's up there in a way in terms of sports contracts, but Rafi Devers is sitting there in the same exact position that Xander Bogarts was in last offseason. The Red Sox have their final offseason right now to only... I should phrase it this way. The Red Sox right now in this offseason have a chance to be the only team that Rafael Devers is allowed to communicate with in terms of an extension, in terms of a new contract with this team that would keep him in Boston for his career or at least the foreseeable future. But Rafi's won a World Series. Rafi's conducted himself with professionalism throughout here. Rafi's been in the conversation for MVP before. He's done stuff that Mookie Betts has done. He's done stuff that Xander Bogarts has done. He's younger. He's I believe he's 25. Do you pay him? I mean, seriously, sit there as a Boston Red Sox fan right now. Sit there and ask yourself, do you truly believe, after what has transpired over the last five years with this organization, that they are going to pay Rafi Devers, because he's going to dictate 10, 12, over $300 million. It's going to be a big contract, and rightfully so. Do the Red Sox do that? Do, do they have that in them as an ownership group to do that level of a contract? I got to be honest. For the longest time, I thought, I said, there's just no way they could ever let Rafi walk. I mean, that's that's the boiling point. That's the main guy here in terms of the very distant future. There's just no way. But I also thought the same thing about Xander Bogarts. I got to a point with that where I said, there's no way they don't re-sign him. I mean, they've got to bring him back here. It's, it's it, it, it wouldn't make sense if they were to let him walk. And they let him walk. I mean, I, I can say it right now. If Rafi Devers doesn't get a contract extension done this offseason, he will not be in a Boston Red Sox uniform. He is not going to go to free agency and sign a contract with the Red Sox when there's going to be teams out there that are willing to pay him $400 million. And that's just the reality of the situation. The Red Sox are really starting to worry me in terms of, does anyone get the money? Does anyone prove themselves worthy of the big contract? I get it with the whole David Price thing. It was a disaster. But 
The man got you a World Series. He was vital in that playoff run, and he threw some of his best pitches in deep into the playoffs with the Red Sox. It's not like you got nothing out of it, but I do understand the long-term aspect of it. It was a disaster. They got it off the books, which was a good thing, but they obviously had to attach it to a guy like Mookie Betts to get it off the books. The man, I, I don't know what else to say besides it feels like paying guys the big money isn't something that the Boston Red Sox do anymore. And that's sad because it's going to be really hard to continue to compete at a very high level year in and year out if you're never willing to pay anyone. That was what, what we were sold with with the high and bloom thing here. We were sold with we want to become the Dodgers. We want to get ourselves in a situation where the farm is healthy, but we're, we also have guys at the major league level that are established, that get their money, and we have a good team on the field that we are that we are enabled to continue to bring up good talent from the farm as well, and, it, and the train just keeps on rolling. It's tough to envision that right now because nobody's getting paid. It's all about the farm so far. And that's okay. I mean, the, the farm looks good. You've really rebuilt the farm. You've made some moves that have got you some good prospects. But at the end of the day, I don't care about what's going on in Worcester. I don't care about what's going on in Portland. Prospects are important, but they are not more important than the 2018 MVP. They are not more important than a guy who's won two rings in this city, had proven success, gets on base, has a good batting average, a guy that you know what to expect every day when he's out there. All of these prospects, and I'm not trying to say that they won't be good, but there is no guarantee that Marcelo Meyer is a stud. There is no guarantee that Nick York can play well in the MLB. There's no guarantee of that. There is a guarantee that Xander Bogarts is going to come out and you know what to expect from him on a nightly basis at Fenway Park and on the road. The Dodgers, man, I, I don't see that right now. I don't see that vision for the Red Sox. And I was never a buyer in what I'm about to say, but it's tough not to say it at this point. It seems like they're operating like the Tampa Bay Rays. And that's, that, that shit used to piss me off. I'm not going to lie. When people would say that shit, I used to be like, enough. Let's give them some time. I mean, this dude has only had a couple off-seasons. Let's give Bloom some time. But, dude, I'm, I'm done with the time excuse. I'm done with all of that. This team is operating like a small market team. I also don't want to pin all of the blame here on High and Bloom by any means. It is ownership. Make no mistake about it. Ownership is the one that said, we are only willing to go 6 for 160. Or ownership is the one that said we are not going beyond the 300, however many millions it was for Mookie Betts. Ownership is the one that is dictating how high they are willing to go for these long-term big money contracts. It is not high in Bloom. You think Bloom wants to retain his guys? I'm sure he does. I'm positive he does. But... It seems as though ownership doesn't want to put up the money that it's going to take to do that, and that's worrisome. I also was not a believer in the whole Fenway Sports Group. Maybe they're not as focused on the Red Sox anymore. I mean, it feels that way. You can't tell me it does not feel that way. I'm, I'm in a tough spot 
as a fan at the moment because I've always liked to have the organizations back, to have the ownership groups back because, hell, man, all they've done in my lifetime is win. They've won a lot in my lifetime. So it's hard to be the guy who says, you know, oh, they're not willing to do this, they're not willing to do that. But it's, it's undeniable that we have taken a turn here and the Boston Red Sox ownership group is no longer going to operate in a manner of we will do what it takes to win a World Series when we have a team that is capable of that. The 2021 Boston Red Sox were two games away from the World Series. In 2022, they had a decent amount of that core still around. I mean, obviously you trade Vasquez, so he's gone. But you think about guys like Rafi Devers. I mean, Christian Arroyo was on that team. Obviously, Xander Bogarts, Kike Hernandez, Verdugo. There's multiple guys still here that went on that run. So you could have added some pieces and been in real business. I mean, you look at the moves that this team's made. Chris Martin, Jolie Rodriguez, Kenley Jansen, those are arms in that bullpen. Now, I don't know a ton about Jolie Rodriguez, but Chris Martin and Kenley Jansen, man, those are guys that you can rely on. Those are arms out of the pen that are a weapon that you call upon to come in and get the big outs, the late in-game outs. These are those types of guys, which was a huge problem for the Red Sox last year. They addressed it. They've got better arms in there and maybe more to come but they have absolutely upgraded the bullpen. They go out, they get a guy like Masataka Yoshida, somebody that can play that outfield position, a guy that has great on-base percentage numbers. I mean, the numbers pop off the page in Japan. Obviously, we've never seen him in America, but you add that stuff in with a big contract for Xander Bogarts, you go out, you re-sign Rafael Devers to an extension and all of a sudden, man, you're a contender, and you're a contender for years to come. The Red Sox had a prime opportunity to lock up their infield for years to come. We would have had Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Trevor Story, Tristan Cassius at first base, second, short third, obviously, for years to come. That would have been your infield. It's solidified. It's good to go. Let's roll. They passed, and they passed on that. Now, moving on to Masataka Yoshida, I'm, a, I'm intrigued. I mean, the numbers that we've seen based off of just Twitter alone, it seems like this is a guy that got on base in Japan. It was a guy that hit for average in Japan. He's got some real pop in the bat, a left-handed bat. Now, there's going to be some real questions about his defense. I've seen that multiple times. There's some worry there in terms of how he's going to translate defensively into the MLB. And, man, you wonder, that doesn't mean he can play right field at Fenway Park. So do you move Alex Verdugo over there? Does this mean, hey, maybe Alex Verdugo is going to get traded at some point? I am not sure. But I will say, if defense is an issue, Yoshida cannot play right field at Fenway Park. That is going to be a problem, and we will see those defensive issues come to fruition. We will see them with our own two eyes. That's for damn sure. So in terms of Yoshida, you wonder, does he make a move to left, and that's where his primary position becomes? I I don't know. That's going to be for Alex Cora to decide. That's going to be for Red Sox ownership to decide. But that's going to be something to watch is, is his defense as bad as some people are suggesting it is heading into this year? Now, in terms of the money, 
Five years, $100 million. Obviously, it only comes out to 85 for uh, Yoshida because the $15 million posting fee. But that's a good chunk of change. And I've, I've seen a tweet that suggests 10 or 11 rival executives were asked about the Red Sox contract to Yoshida. And there were some that said they wouldn't have even paid half of what the Red Sox paid. There's some that said... Simply, it was a massive overpay. That scares me. These guys have done just as much research on this player as the Red Sox have. They have gotten the same videos out of whichever league he plays in, just like the Red Sox have. I mean, they know just about as much of him about him as Boston does. But the Red Sox came out and they spent the money, which is weird, you know? You're willing to spend the money on a guy that has absolutely no proven success in the majors, in America, in Boston, but then your franchise player you're not willing to spend the big money on. I mean, it's head-scratching. They're not different in age. Yoshida's 29 years old. Xander Bogarts was 30. It's, so, so it's not like you, you got a 24-year-old kid here that you're going to bring in and you're going to be able to get some more out of him. You're going to be able to get more of his prime years out of him. That's not the case. Now, I get it's less money, but is it really that much less money? I, I don't view it as that way. I mean, yeah, Bogarts' contract would have ultimately been a lot more. Yes, absolutely. But the, the AAV, I mean, what they're getting per year would not have been, I mean, that crazy different. I mean... It would have been high 20s for Bogarts. Yoshida gets low 20s. But I, I don't get the theory here. It would make sense if the Red Sox really did believe they were going to be able to re-sign Bogarts. And they went out and got Yoshida because the deal was, was done and, and they wanted to get it done ASAP. But again, I don't think the Red Sox actually wanted to bring Xander Bogarts back the way in which they said they did to the public. I feel lied to. I don't think that that was... The case. I just don't. And like I'm saying, I mean, I'm excited for Yoshida. I don't want to have any knock on the player that's that's not where I'm at. I, I'm excited for him. I am. I want to see the power at Fenway Park uh, with that left-handed bat. I like the fact that he's going to be able to come in here and be the leadoff hitter because that's been a real problem for this team. The consistency from that leadoff spot has been a real issue for a couple seasons now. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. It seems as though this is going to be an everyday guy that's going to step in there and he is your leadoff hitter. But I'm also worried all at the same time. We know nothing about this player. We know absolutely nothing about what he did in Japan. All we can see is, is what people on Twitter are digging up and, and the numbers. But we have not watched this guy play on a consistent basis. We don't know what to expect. Never mind that. We don't know what to expect once he gets in the Boston market. This is not an easy place to play. I mean, I, I know some people think that's an overblown point, but it is true. Boston is not an easy city to, to play in. If Yoshida comes out here and he has a slow start to the year, buckle up because the money they're paying him, fans are going to be aware and they are not going to be pleased. Hopefully Yoshida can kind of overlook that if it happens. Obviously, this is a big what if. but. Boston's not the easiest place to play and to bring a 29-year-old guy in here that we really know nothing about, yeah, that scares me. It does. It does.
hopefully he's a good player and, and hopefully he can produce for the club because he would be filling a huge aspect in that leadoff position that desperately needed to be filled. Now, in terms of the bullpen. Sox have done some work there. Chris Martin, Jolie Rodriguez, Kenley Jansen. Welcome to the Boston Red Sox bullpen that absolutely stunk last year. Chris Martin's a guy that I'm very intrigued by. You know, a big righty. He split time between Chicago and L.A., had a really good ERA. Tore up the Sox when they played at Wrigley. If anybody kind of remembers the name, I doubt you do. He is a random guy, but, man, he's a guy that has real potential to come in and and pitch meaningful innings out of this bullpen. Has a chance to come in and and finally be that guy in the 8th, in the 7th, that when he comes in, you can kind of take a breath and say, all right, we should be good here. This is one of our better guys. Jolie Rodriguez intrigues me because, you know, Sox need guys from the left side. They need lefty relievers, and Rodriguez is going to bring that to the table. I don't know a ton about him. He has spent some time with the Yankees, so he's played in the American League East. That should help him to have some familiarity with, you know, this division and and playing these teams as many times as they do. Obviously, that's going to go down now that the schedule has changed. But either way, it's good to know that he does. He has played within the division. He's been to the cities. The familiarity, the familiarity aspect of it will be good for Rodriguez here. And then Kenley Jansen. I am excited about Kenley Jansen. Now buckle up. We're going to be dealing with some long ninth innings here. This is a guy that does not rush to throw a pitch. Uh, he definitely takes his time in between his pitches. But he's got his routine, and for the most part, it has worked for Jansen. This is this is a dude who has pitched in some really big games, has gotten some really big outs, and you can't put a stamp on experience, especially for the role in which he plays. He's coming in in the ninth, and he's trying to get three outs. It's not easy to do. It's much harder than people think it is. Jansen's done it, and he's done it for a long time. It's He's not changing his role in any way. At least I assume so. I I assume he's going to come in here and he's going to be this team's closer. I don't know that for a fact, but that seems as though that's what you would sign him to do. I also like the contract. I, I, I think they got him on solid value, but you can't put a stamp on having a closer. You can't put a stamp on having guys in the back end of the bullpen that you can rely on. And last season, the Red Sox did not have that. They were rotating between whatever slop they could get out of that pen, throw them in in the seventh, eighth, cross your fingers, and let's hope to get a win. That's really what it was last year, and it was fucking ugly. I mean, it was not enjoyable. I I had no fun watching that club. Uh, How's this? I had no fun watching that bullpen door open. A really ever, unless it was Tanner Houck coming into the game because I'm a huge Tanner Houck fan. I think he's got real potential, and I love the move to the bullpen for him. But yeah, no, I mean, you opened that bullpen door last year, and a lot of the times I was rolling my eyes. I was, you know, keeling over. I was I was not pleased with what was coming out. So Jansen should be able to fix that. But you wonder, I mean, how many meaningful innings will he pitch? I mean, I'm being a pessimist today. I get it. I'm being negative. And it's hard not to be when you just watched the cornerstone, the leader of this organization head to San Diego, which might I add is a great city and definitely a place that I would want to you know, commit 11 years of my life to. But 
the bullpen's in a good spot. At least you have that. At least in free agency here, the Red Sox have addressed one of their, if not the biggest need, the bullpen. I mean, it was a disaster last year. We all know how many games that the Sox could have won if they had just had a dependable arm to to call in those late innings. It always felt like the bullpen came in and found a way to lose games. And hopefully, with these new additions, that will not be the case this year. But just circling back to Xander Bogarts for a little bit, I mean, it's tough. It's hard not to be sad. That's really where I'm at. You know, I, I texted my my Sox group chat yesterday and I said, listen, I'm not mad. I'm not jealous. I'm just sad. I'm sad that it got to this point. I'm sad that he actually left. I'm sad that on opening day this year, we're going to look out to shortstop and it's not going to be Xander Bogarts. I mean, that is disgusting. Where do you go from here to fill that role? I don't know. It doesn't seem like they want to pay anybody. It doesn't seem like they want to give out the big contract. I just went on that big rant. So you can kiss Carlos Correa goodbye. That'd be intriguing. And I think it would also show that they aren't necessarily afraid to spend. They just want to spend on the right guy. If they deem 28-year-old Carlos Correa the right guy to give an 8-10 year big money contract to, then okay, I can... I can swallow it. It'll be weird, and I won't like the fact that they kind of slapped Bogey in the face with this whole situation with letting him walk but then offering the big money to a guy that has no proven success in this market. But at least it would show ownership's willing to spend. At least it would show ownership isn't trying to cheap out. They just didn't necessarily feel as though Xander Bogarts was the right guy to spend the big money on. Ballsy decision, but at least it would show that. Dansby Swanson is a guy to me that screams big mistake. And I only say that because it feels like he had his outlier season this past season. And it's gotten him to a point where he could be getting some big money that I just don't necessarily think he'll live up to. I'm not enticed by Swanson because of the fact that you wouldn't get him at necessarily a good value. Seems really hypocritical that I say that after going off about how the Red Sox wouldn't spend their money. But Swanson, to me, it would either be a knee-jerk reaction that I wouldn't love, or it would be too much money for a guy I don't feel as though you'd get the production out of to justify the money you'd give him. I mean, the swing and miss numbers are not pretty. And like I said, it was it, it seems like it was more of an outlier season than this is who Danzy Swanson is. And again, 29 years old. It's not like Danzy Swanson is, is young, uh, by any means, he's pretty much the exact same age as Xander Bogart. So you wouldn't be, you wouldn't get anything out of that. I, I wouldn't understand the Dansby Swanson move if if that's the direction they decided to go. So for me, it's like, at this point, you kind of just have to fill the gap. You, you have to fill the gap until you think that your, you know, prized possession in Marcelo Meyer is ready to go. At this point, it's like, go out and get Gene Segura, 32-year-old, the guy that, you know, he's not the best, but he's also not shitty. I mean, he, he could he could hold his own over there. Uh, and I don't know if he would play shortstop. I don't know if he'd play second base. I'm, I'm not sure what the situation would be there. I don't know about Story moving to short. And I'll say this right now. I hate the idea of Trevor Story moving to short. I hate it. I don't think he has the arm for it. I don't necessarily think he's as great of a fielder as everyone said he was heading into 
last offseason, and I mean that from the shortstop position. Now, from second base, holy hell, is he special. He's got a great defensive glove. Definitely not saying in uh, in an overall terms that he's not the defender that everybody was saying he was. I just don't necessarily think he is as good of a shortstop as most people were suggesting heading into last season. I don't, again, I don't, I don't love the arm. I, I think that he would not have the effect on the game at shortstop that he does at second base. So that's where you wonder which direction they go. Do they go out and it's like, maybe just go out, get a guy like Gene Segura. You don't have to trade, you don't have to give up anything for him. You pay him a, a, a decent contract, maybe two, three years and he fills the gap, like I said, until you think Marcelo Meyer is ready to go up here. And I hate this idea that we're going to rely on Marcelo Meyer to be the future of this team. We know nothing about this fucking kid. He, he, he got drafted atop the draft, yeah, but this dude hasn't played above a ball. I, I, I fucking hate, I hate relying on prospects. I think it's a horrible idea. I think it's a horrible way to run your team. And again, I, I, I get that you need prospects, but relying on them is a dangerous game to play because especially in baseball, you do not know what you have in a prospect. Many, many guys have been drafted top five and not panned out. I'm not saying that's what Marcelo Meyer is going to be, but I am saying it's a real possibility and you've now entered that dangerous territory of, all right, we're going to need Meyer to be able to step up here within the coming years. But maybe you go out and... Segura is the guy that can kind of fill that role until he's ready to go. Another interesting option is Willie Adamas. He seems to be on the trade market for Milwaukee. A guy that has some serious pop, pretty good defender. Uh, he's played in the AL East before, so we know a little bit about him. We've seen him play for the Rays. It seemed like an odd move when they moved off of him, but it all made sense once they called up Wander Franco. I mean, the Rays just didn't have a need for Adamas, and he was kind of filling the role of their prized possession in Wander Franco. So Willie Adamas, now obviously on the Brewers, would be a really intriguing possibility, and I'm in. If that's the route that these guys take, I'm in. I mean, I'm not as in as I would have been if you gave Xander Bogarts his fucking money, but I'm still in. I like the idea of Adamas. I... I don't want to say I like the idea of Segura. I I don't hate, but I definitely do not love the idea of Gene Segura. I just think it would make sense money-wise, contract length-wise, for a guy you know at, at that 32 years of age. Maybe you give him the five-year, but it, it's an opt-out. It's a team opt-out after three. I don't know the logistics and, and how they would set that contract up, but I do think he could be a guy that could make some sense here. But all of those options outside of Carlos Correa None of them are going to be Xander Bogarts. None. You can bring a guy in here to be a stopgap at short, but is that really the position you want to be a fucking stopgap at? Now, another thing that is intriguing that I think could save the Sox in a sense is the fact that they have some really versatile players on this team. You bring in either Adamus or Segura, and you can rotate between those guys, Story, Kike, Arroyo, you have some guys in the infield that have given you some depth. But I'm not going to rely on Christian Arroyo to have a similar season to what he did last year. 
I would love it if that happened. I love Arroyo. I think he's a good player. I love his defense. I love everything about him as a player. But I don't necessarily want to rely on him to have a career year like he had last season. It could happen, but it could also not happen. And this is also a guy that has some injury history. He's struggled to stay on the field in the majors. It hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows for Arroyo as much as he's a player I love to watch. This infield situation has gotten very complex. And another aspect of the Xander Bogart situation is, does it affect Rafael Devers? I've seen some tweets in the last couple of days suggesting that it's been overblown how much the relationship with Xander Bogarts is going to affect Rafi Devers' contract extension. Now, I think it absolutely is an implication. I think it's a factor. I There's no way around the relationships and a guy that is your best friend and, and has been your mentor. And you see the way he's treated on the way out. There's that's, that's bad. That's bad optics. But I also think it's a completely different situation, completely different scenario. Rafi knows he's younger and he knows that, Hey, maybe they're keeping that money to give me the bag. Who knows? So I don't think it's, it, it's dead. I don't, I don't think all Bogart's walks. Well, now Rafi's not going to resign, but I will say I I'm I'm concerned. Like I said, it, do you do you believe in this ownership group to pay up for him? I don't. And in terms of this relationship with Xander Bogarts, it's it is a factor. It's not the driving factor to him saying, "Ah, oh, fuck the socks, I'm out." But it's definitely going to affect these contract talks. I mean, this is a guy that, like I said. Devers has seen it day in and day out with his own two eyes. He's been in that clubhouse. He knows the impact that Xander Bogarts has had on these clubs he's played on. And he knows the leadership role he, that he's filled. He knows how important Xander Bogarts was in this city. And the Sox never made a real effort to bring him back. That's insulting. How do you look at that as a player and not think to yourself, they're going to do that to me? Is is that what it is around here? It's you know, give me what you can under your contract that makes sense for us as an organization. And the minute that you outperform that and become too expensive for us, there's the door. I mean, who the fuck does that sound like? That sounds like the A's. It sounds like we're talking about Moneyball here. This is the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox. Pay someone. Fuck. It's aggravating. And it's, you wonder... You wonder, do they ever pay anyone? I know I've said that multiple times and probably shaking your head if you're listening, but does this team ever fucking pay anyone? Do they? Because it's hard to believe they do. That's all I've got. Uh, I'd love to have more, but I'm sure there will be more that unfolds in this offseason. I also do want to get some more guests, want to get some other voices on here, some other opinions. I got a cousin, Dylan Nardoe, uh This dude is the most positive Red Sox fan you will ever meet. I mean, Xander was out the door and, and he was texting in the group about an hour later talking about, I think it opens up all sorts of interesting possibilities. Now, hey, love the positivity, love the attitude. But uh, that was not where my, my mind was at at that very particular moment. But the reason I bring Dylan up is because I'd love to have him on. I, I think he, you guys would think he was funny, number one. And number two, He's got some real insight, and he always seems to back up the positivity with some really solid points, so I'll give him that. 
Maybe we'll have Ian, Ian on here too. Ian's another guy that's a part of the group and he's the exact opposite. Ian's Mr. Negative most of the time. Uh, he told me yesterday that the sooner I emotionally detach, the easier it will be. And I said one simple thing, like I said on this podcast, I'm incapable. Thank you for listening to the episode. Man, grieve over Bogarts. Fucking love the dude. Thank you for everything you did for this city and team. It's a tough one. We'll see where they go from here. Thank you.